Hello, and welcome to Tell Me About Your D&D Character, a podcast where people get a chance to talk about their characters from different role-playing games. I'm your host, Jeremy, and today I'm talking to Luke Milton, the Dungeon Master from the actual play podcast Dungeons & Drongos, uh, set in Fantasy Australia, which is one of my personal favourite actual play podcasts. I've been listening for quite a while now, back when I was on Reddit for Dungeons & Dragons and discovered it, and... Um, I try to recommend it to as many people as possible who find, who are looking for, I should say, who are looking for actual play podcasts because it is a really fun, irreverent take on it. Luke will talk more about where his inspirations and things have come from for it. And hopefully it's um, an easy way, if you are interested in it, in, in what we've said, some of the ideas that, that Luke's talking about, then head over to their, their podcast as well. There'll be a link in the show notes, of course. I feel that this episode has a lot of is some advice for dungeon masters, uh, particularly new dungeon masters who might be a little bit worried about how do you get good voices? How do you just create a world like that? How do you come up with ideas? I think there's a lot of inspiration talk in this episode and uh, hopefully you will agree. Hopefully you will get something out of it. Uh, So let's get on with it. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you, first of all, for coming. Oh, on. no problem. No problem at all. I've been a fan for ages now. Oh, cool. cool, cool Every cool. time I listen, I'm just like, I want to talk to them all about how <laughs> they built the character and how Luke built the world and, and everything about it. So now I've got a chance to. Yeah, sweet. But things are going well over there. I just saw a new episode went up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're fine here. Like, Perth's in its own little bubble, so um, everything's pretty much normal. So we're not under any kind of lockdown. Um, so we like? can record in person. It's That's... just, um, I think it's just been slow all round. And because we took some breaks, it was like, oh, well, we can probably take another week off. Yeah. And I think I was like building it up as this onerous, like Sunday afternoon, oh shit, I've got to perform. But when actually, um, get in there and do it like it's always heaps of fun it's just getting to that point um do you find there's a lot yeah. of prep time involved for the adventures yeah there's a fair bit um not like solid continuous time like i'm mm. always thinking when i'm walking or doing anything i'm thinking in the background like what's the story gonna be i don't think too far ahead because i like to sort of know especially this year um where they all kind of continue on from each other i I don't necessarily know where it's going to end up um so yeah and then i once i've got a a solid idea i put down notes um but i'm always trying to find that it's not usually even just one idea it's like can i find two or three ideas that mesh together really well yeah yeah because i think that's um, one of the appeals for the podcast that you always find like my personal favorites um the sloshed boys arc which, oh yeah 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 with, with the drunkulars and listening to it i knew what you were doing i saw all the elements of it like i saw the the reference to lost boys and the witcher and all these things and then it was only when you actually mentioned the episode title that i'm like of course it's the lost boys <laughs> of course that's what's going on and just all those different layers coming in together for it yeah a lot of it is based on puns like i was sitting yeah. there thinking you know what is an australian um vampire what can i call it and as soon as like drunkula came up that informed all the law around those characters because i didn't really know what they did prior to that but once you go oh they leech alcohol instead of blood yeah and then you then you start to go oh well we'll set it at a bns ball where everyone's just trashed anyway yeah yeah, and then you go, well, what's BNS stand for in Family Australia? And then you just continue to build out on that. And then, um, yeah, well, what are the substitutes for the Frog Brothers? Well, what if they are actual frog people? Mm. And you just keep uh, building out. Yeah, and it seems like it's almost so easy to adapt. It's like it's almost yeah. pre-built sometimes. That uh, I think Dungeons & Dragons is just built on puns anyway. Yeah, I think that becomes a big thing, like um, the Stronger Thongs episode, which, yeah. again, is just 
predated on that idea of um, Stranger Things, but then it's also uh, I wanted to do the Great White Walkers, the sharks with legs that Roundhouse kicked people on the beach. So it all kind of ties together. Yeah, I think people appreciate those references because it is just that recognizability of it. It's like I get that reference and I see why it's here and it kind of all works together. And I'm a big pop culture fan. Like I've watched so many films and TV series and things. And, you know, I think a lot of those tropes are quite embedded. I think Mm -hmm. I was like babysat by television a lot. Um, So, and my background's theatre. And I wrote and directed a lot of theatre. And I wrote episodic theatre too, where it would be a different um, show every week. and sort of like a tv series but live so i'm drawing on all of those things and i think there's just situations where you go oh this is kind of like that and you can pull all these threads in so there is that familiarity but hopefully with a kind of twist or a kind of Mm. um, mashup that you're not expecting and also something that still makes sense um in the tenuous logic of the world that we're creating Well, that's a, a good segue. Like, where did you where did you start thinking of Fantasy Australia? I think some of our listeners may not have encountered Dungeons and Drongos and, and Fantasy Australia before, so maybe give us a little bit of background of the world and then maybe where it came from as well. Um, so it's it's very much the real Australia in terms of geography, but with all fantasy replacements on top of it, mm. combined with the idea of. Um, the traditional Dungeons and Dragons races and classes and things, but with an Australian twist put on top of that as well. Um, you know, big examples are some of the remapping of the creatures, like our mascot, which is the beer holder, who is um, the big drunken eye um, that collects trophies in his trophy room. Which just seems like it's built. I mean, there's already the the joke beauties in the eye of the beer holder. It's like, that's been around since at least I was a teenager. And it's like, it seems like yeah. it's already there to go, ready to yeah, go for people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, like drop bears are a big thing. And then um, uh, just like you get anything that's sort of pun-based, like the um, the steward that takes them to the mine at the pie mine in the first episode is Alf the steward and they get attacked by flaming crows. Yes. Um, so there's always... Again, those links just keep um, growing. There's the Gobbledock-based aliens that come and steal all the potatoes to make um, chips. Yeah, I never realised that wasn't an... It was just a purely Australian thing. I thought that was global when I was a kid. Yeah. No, it's pretty unique. There's a lot of stuff. Again, I, I don't think it should be necessary that you even get the references. I mean, we have a lot of American listeners. I think mm. as long as it sounds, again, like within that logic of the world, that they sound like interesting creatures and interesting adventures, then I think that's just a bonus on top. I mean, certainly um, I'm the eldest of the group um, and I'd have about 16, 17 years on Paris, for example, who's the youngest. And um, I don't think they always know all the references that I'm drawing on, but um, not that it, it matters. So, yeah, so it's a um, it mostly started in um, fantasy Western Australia, and um, which is ruled by the Edjos. Um, king Worthington is the, the king of fantasy Australia, and there's the Jackmans and the Hemsworths and everybody all around the place. Yep. And, um, yeah, and instead of dwarves, there's tater men because they're like potatoes and mm-hmm. you keep them in the dark and they live underground. Um, it's just like all these different versions of things. Um, and then it get like a lot of complicated layers of puns, I guess, like the, um, we've got the venom style symbiote, which is the Reggie mite, yeah. um, which comes from the down under. And it's called that because uh, the discoverer didn't know what it was, but his um, brother was a cook and Reggie might know what it is. And we're still waiting to find out from Reggie. So yeah, <laughs> lo- lots of references to things. And um, it came about really quickly, actually. We'd, um, I guess like a lot of people, I'd been listening to all these podcasts that were coming out and I'd, I'd listened to the first arc of 
Adventure Zone and I'd listen to um, Nerd Poker with uh, Brian Persane's one. And that particularly had started to really annoy me because it, it was such funny people, but um, a lot of the time nothing happened and it would just yep. drag and you wouldn't get much story in an episode. And I was thinking about those theatre routes and thinking it'd be really nice to treat this almost like it's a TV show where every two episodes or three episodes as it sometimes turns out has a beginning middle and end mm. and, a, and a whole arc and um we don't waste a lot of time breaking the fourth wall and talking about things that aren't within that world but we become our characters and we get in there and, and we improv a lot of dialogue and zach and paris um uh both have improv backgrounds and theater backgrounds as does uh as do suzanne and i so really like I spoke to um, Suzanne because we were together at the time. We were saying, well, why don't we do a D&D podcast? We always wanted to do it. And um, thought, why don't we ask Zach in Paris? And Zach, even I think before we even asked, that said we should do a D&D podcast. And we said, okay, let's do it. And it was less than a week before that first arc was recorded. So there wasn't a lot of world building or time. And they had no idea when they sat down to do that first episode what the world they knew they knew it was called a dungeons and drongos and that it was australia based yeah but they didn't know what it was like they didn't know what i had planned or what the world looked like or what the tone of the adventures would be so when you hear that first arc they're really hearing all those things for the first time yeah which i think with those improv backgrounds works even better because you have no idea what you're going into you just are given an given a, a yes and and where do you take it from there yeah, and I like it doesn't happen that often, but I like sometimes when there's been a few episodes I can't re- relatively recently where they'll say something like they'll ask me something about a character or a situation and make a suggestion, and I'll say yes, that's correct, and then we'll keep um, rolling on top of that, and we go into really strange places. Yeah, there's I mean, I'm always but it works is is the the point that it it's always enjoyable to listen to. It's like the strength of a good improv show. Yeah, I hope so. That's the thing. I, I want people to feel like if, if you haven't heard it, um, one of the greatest compliments we ever get is people listen and go, oh, sure, I finally listened to this and um, it's actually really good. And, you know, and they're surprised. <laughs> That's that, the best compliment they get. Yeah. I feel that you probably get some better ones. But they're just like surprised that it's so fast moving and that yeah. there is a, a story and that you can, um, you know, that's hopefully a bit more like a TV sort of experience. Yeah. And there's a lot of callbacks that I'm finding in a lot of the later episodes that you will call back to an earlier one, like the Regimite will show up again and the Predator and um, of course, Chase Hemsworth, <laughs> my personal favorite, will just show up occasionally and just do some sweet kicks. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely those characters that um, certainly ones that I really like or that the audience has responded to. Baby Piggy Braden, the talking mm. pig that's sort of like um, a profane babe shows up a lot. Yeah. Um, there are certain characters that I like doing that I've brought back more than once, even though uh, no one's requested it. Like, um, <laughs> Well, you're the Dungeon Master. I mean, you can, you can yeah. do what you want with it. I like doing um, Merrick the Cleric. That's mm-hmm. a fun one. Just get to yell a lot. I loved being, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, the poet. Kevin Bloody Dickhead Patterson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Until Zach killed him. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've noticed that the... he, he tends to show up occasionally just to, for playing to kill again. <laughs> yeah. Or, or his daughter to. showed up. Um, yeah. And then there was Spam Banjo Patterson, which was a kind of, just a substitute yeah i like that because that was very much uh dungeons and dragons feel to me that it was the dungeon master has this really great character that they want to use and the players don't want a thing to do with them they just keep going the other direction (laughs) this is the story guys you've got to come back to the story at some point (laughs) yeah it's funny that they're so different the three players as well in terms of that like zach is total chaos he'll go off in a direction you're not expecting um suzanne as mckenzie is totally reluctant to do anything and hates everything um 
And then Paris is my really reliable little <laughs> happy g'day who will keep the story on track. Because, um, yeah, that's I have to be careful about when I need a character to ask them to do something. I've only got like a handful of characters I know that they all like, that they will like, they'll always do something for Jace Hemsworth, Cadley yep. Booper, they'll do stuff for, but like if baby Piggy Braden turns up, I'm always thinking, how do I protect him from Mackenzie killing him? Because she hates him. How do you stop him being a ham sandwich? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, they don't love everyone. A lot of dungeon masters are going to find that, that there will be for some reason that um, the character or the players just don't like that character. Just, we don't like them. We don't know why. We, they said something wrong very early on. And sometimes it's the voice. Sometimes it's just their actions. But it's, you've got an even harder job of doing that, of finding someone that will give them the story to keep the the plot of the, the episode going. Yeah, because um, Suzanne just hates lots of talking. And it's like, mm. well, it's kind of what we're doing. So <laughs> I don't know how we... Uh, always disappointed she doesn't get to play D&D because obviously if people haven't heard we're very very loose on the rules um, not experts by any means in the last year or so um, I've been playing a social game with a DM who does uh, very much know what he's doing and um, I've picked up a lot from there but a lot of the time um, I, 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 I don't want to do anything that slows down the story or, yeah. or stops things from flowing along yeah, because it's also a lot of editing, even if you just edit out all the dice rolls and stick with the story. Yeah, that's right. And um, that, that which is pretty much the only editing that happens is during fights and things. And I'm always so conscious of that, like going, does this suddenly become really boring to um, just go into to fight mode? Um, but content-wise, uh, it's never really edited. There's been two episodes that due to technical issues we completely recorded again mm-hmm. oh um there's always a lost episode every podcast yeah and they went in different directions the second time uh and they were very they were so good at uh pretending that they were doing everything for the first time that i, I won't reveal what the episodes were <laughs> but um generally they have no idea and and in cases like when we did um like there was the 50th episode where they got replaced by three other characters that were played by three other players mm-hmm. um, they had no idea that was going to happen i brought those three guests in to replace them um that's going to be that's again that improv thing of hey here's three more yeah. people they're going to be playing you today yeah so that was heaps of fun so you're saying before you're playing in a social game that's more traditional D&D. Had you played D&D before you started the podcast? Oh, um yes. Uh, yeah, I had. Um growing up, um I played not D&D but a few different role-playing games mm-hmm. um to date myself. I was born in 76, so in early high school, um we were playing the um Ninja Turtle role-playing game oh wow that's like a a deep dive for it yeah and um some like homebrew stuff as well that other people had done and then um some of the other games that came out of was it palladium books or something like that that did the ninja turtle ones yeah um they had a superhero one as well yeah um i can't remember what that was called but we we did that and then um yeah i started listening to the podcast because uh, we were playing a social game with friends um, and Zach and Paris would play occasionally. Mm-hmm. And Suzanne was the DM for that. And she took that quite seriously. And she did a lot of um, groundwork on that. She'd draw up all these beautiful maps and things and, and really um, be organized and, and be frustrated um, for me being silly during it. But uh, that, that's kind of what led to it. And that's the unfortunate thing as well. I don't listen to any podcasts since I started. I don't listen mm-hmm. to any other D&D stuff just because I don't want to... Um, yeah, you don't want to be influenced can, and steal yeah, their... Not steal, but... Um, yeah, subconsciously. Yeah. Or just second guess myself, like be like, oh, these guys are really good. What am I doing? Like I've just got to go in there and, and do it each time. Not yeah. think too hard about that. So if you're not um, drawing on, on other podcasts... Um, 
obviously you draw a lot of inspiration from pop culture and things like that. Is there something that yeah. you've just gone, this is a story I want to tell just, or does that, that idea of the pop culture come first? Like um, you're um, saying earlier that you've got the, they're kind of an ongoing story this year where it's each episode starts where the last one ended. Do you have a, yeah. an idea of, okay, so they ended here. I can move it into this, this element. Um, I'm thinking the, the Donkey Kong um, episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which okay, then so kind of moved into King Kong. And it's like, was that set up much earlier or was it, okay, we've done Donkey Kong, let's do King Kong, let's do something like that? Um, it's more of a lateral kind of, in this one, I'm, I'm sort of looking around the map and I'm thinking, well, what are the landmarks? And the mm. big banana is like something where I'm yeah. like, that's actually where it comes from. So you think, well, the big banana, what can I do with that? And, um, this idea that it would draw this King Kong style character out of the jungle. I liked that, um, that he was a Donkey Kong style character, but then also had in my mind, well, there has to be more to this banana. So the idea that the the townsfolk thought that it was a sign from a god and didn't recognize that it was food, even though they were all starving. And then that we find out that a giant in the clouds above, because we have had giants before, um, had dropped it for his breakfast. Um, that was good. But then at that stage, at the end of that episode, they go, okay, we're going to go to Bris Vegas. And you go, well, it's King Kong now. Yeah. So I didn't actually know where that was going to go. And I felt like I'd painted myself into a corner because everybody knows that story so well. So then I was just thinking, I think about all those Bigfoot hoaxes and then thought, oh my God, if like this monkey was a suit, they're never going to see that coming because mm -hmm. they've just interacted with it for an adventure. And then you're like, well, what can fill this giant suit? And then it became the clown king of all those entwined clowns and, and that's what made it um, better because it's then Clown King Kong. And it's yeah. Like, it just ties in. And it feels yeah, like so... it feels like there's enough layers that it's planned the entire way. Even yeah, though they... listening to it, it's like it just it just rolls along like it's Yeah, all it kind of does. Yeah, it, it rolls along over that course of the sort of two weeks between recording because we record two episodes at a time. Hmm. Um and that's the moment when I'm ready to start writing. So like that minute where I go, oh, this, this is an ape costume full of clowns. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's the unique idea. That's what makes it not just King Kong. Now yeah. I can write this because I know that they're going to have that moment where they're completely shocked and surprised by that and then have to reinvent it. And then it's just about setting up tasks. Like the idea that they had to create a show with this character um, and I have no idea what they're going to do. And the fact that they ended up doing a weird sort of Batman musical where they were beating up clowns um, was just so perfect. Mm -hmm. And even at the end of that episode, when um, they take them down the elevator of the hotel and I'm thinking like, while we're playing, I'm thinking, what do I do here? How do I finish this thing? I thought he'd get shot on the roof and the clown king would fall King Kong style but no, they're taking him down. And then they got out of the elevator and I'm thinking, what, like, where does this go? And then that idea of, oh, the clowns are going to live in the vents of the hotel. <laughs> and yeah. um, So some of that stuff is just on the fly. Like that was never in the notes. Um, but I think that was a good solution. Do you go back and listen to episodes when you're creating one just to kind of draw on like if you they go back to Bruce Vegas, are you going to draw on those clowns and the vents again? Or um, I no, I don't go back and listen, but I have, I, I will go back to the notes of an episode, mm -hmm. and um, so things like that aren't in the notes because they weren't anticipated. But um, yeah. I'm going to always remember that um jace hemsworth's father's hotel is full of clowns because that's yeah. a, a striking image so yeah. yeah that becomes kind of the a part of the law just like mm. there's that um giant crocodile meat god in beauty hill where the fast food restaurants got destroyed that no one bothered to fix so mm -hmm. he's just like a tourist attraction now so i yeah. don't know like maybe at some point um i'll expand that law um 
that's a great thing once you've got a lot of places and characters is you can always just look and go okay which character haven't we done for a while or what creature haven't we done like I wanted to do the bunyips and then it's like what do we do with that and then once I decided they were basically big fat bloated Jar Jar Binks's who um had gotten fat eating bush rangers um which works that, so well again that that was that story <laughs> Every looking back when I thought of a bunyip as a kid, Jar Jar Binks was pretty close to it. Just this yeah. weird amphibian creature with um with an odd horse face. It's like, yeah, that's kind of how I pictured a bunyip. Well, that's the train of thought too, because I'm I'm thinking about the Gungans then and I'm like, well, their whole deal was that it was a symbiotic circle. So you're like, well, who's the other creatures? And then you think of Walsing Matilda and the Bunyip throwing mm. itself in the billabong, and you're like, oh, oh. it's the the bush rangers like that's yeah. they constantly run from the cops and throw themselves into the, uh, into, the um, into the billabong into the, the billabong and the bunyips the, are just waiting yeah, for it yeah so that sort of made sense or um you know i had ripperoos in my notes which are the sort of mutated kangaroos sort of a cross between a kangaroo and a raptor um mm. for ages and they'd never featured in a story so when we did the um, Melbourne underground ones, that idea of the boxing kangaroos, the the underground fights uh, made a lot of sense to me. So yeah, it's it's always just finding that little spark and then exploring it. So when you're looking at creating a creature and bringing it into an episode, are you looking more at Australian icons or are you looking more at D&D stuff that you can then bring onto an Australian icon? Oh, really um, is a mix actually. Yeah. Yep. Because it's hard to think of a lot of um, Australian stuff. Like, you know, you sort of can do it on two hands sometimes. Go, okay, well, koalas, wombats. Yeah. You know, Platypus, what else? Koalas, um, emus, stuff like that. Yeah, but there's certainly been times where I've gone, like the one when they're in the shopping centre and um, the Rebel Wilson unleashes all the stolen animals. Uh, I would then look at like through D and D beyonds or something and look at all the creatures and think, well, what's interesting here, you know, looking for creatures within that level and thinking, um, and then thinking if there is a twist I can put on it, what, what will it be? Sometimes, um, sometimes I've used creatures pretty verbatim, like the, in that one, what's that big frog teleporting creepy guy with the big tongue? It's the one that stalks you. The one that um Oh yeah. Um the Is it like oh, a I just ba- used it the other day. Bandus no Yeah, a Bandahob. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that guy. Like I just pretty much used that. Mm. The only difference was that he sang Froggy Goes According every time, <laughs> like he came near. But um So that's basically yeah. a cane toad anyway, yeah. Yeah, well, except we do have the cane chode, uh, yeah. which I think appears in the episode. Yeah, we've got a few bits and pieces. Yeah. So are there any that you haven't had a chance to, to bring in yet that you've really wanted to? Like you said, the, the Ripper uh, Roos earlier. I don't want to yeah, spoil they future came in, episodes. Yeah, obviously. no, no, that's all right. They came in quite late. Um, no, not that I can think of, because I think if I ever think of something that I, I really like, I'll try to shoehorn it in as, as quickly as possible. Like the um, bum nut babies. Mm-hmm. I wanted to use and for quite a while and was finding the appropriate time to put them in. There's certainly some creatures um, that I'm going to bring back. Um, I am going to do a story that involves the drunkulas very soon. Oh, wonderful. Um, Cause that's been a long time. And My, um... I've never done a beholder, right? I've done two beholders and every time I do it, I'm like, why did I do that voice? I should have played it this way. And uh, I forget. And then I end up doing him like Cookie Monster. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go back. I want to do that properly and get a character that um, sticks around. Because that's certainly the thing. Like we burn through characters and ideas in those first few adventures. Like mm. there are a lot of cool characters that could have been um, ongoing villains and things that got snubbed out pretty quickly. It's pretty easy to bring them back eventually. I mean, it's mm-hmm. d There's always a sequel. Yeah, I think as well, those early adventures fall more into that thing where there's the boss fight at the end, whereas nowadays they um, tend to negotiate or come up with weird compromises or, you know, it's not always just a fight. Yeah, which I think works better as a, a play, actual play podcast, that people yeah. kind of want that interaction. They don't just want the combat. 
unless it's a, a massive you know against a god type of combat that you're actually yeah watching. or something that's significant like i enjoyed the battle they had on the um sydney hobo bridge like that was fun because it was a uh, made out of skeletons and mm. i got to bring in some of the other lore um i think that was like something that was worth doing but otherwise they're yeah they're just stuffing around really which is what most D parties end up doing in the end anyway yeah and I, what i've learned is um always have to have an npc pretty close yes to them to kind of keep things on track um yes. i've always got their manager wenzo if need be but i always try to come up with a character that can hang out with them for a bit hmm. but then also i'm i'm really keen on not having npcs interact with each other very much or certainly not have conversations with each other like i might describe actions but um yeah i want to keep the players involved all the time yeah um, i tend to have something like an imp which will attach itself to one party member and just follow them around which also means when they're all planning i have the opportunity to play as the imp and just go you guys are idiots that's never yeah. gonna work and just push them in the wrong direction <laughs> whenever i feel like it yeah i think it's good to um yeah, just have that option because I, I, I think when I watch improv comedy and you, you're sort of their MCs got always got that job of knowing when to cut the scene, like knowing yeah. when it's played out, and, and I'm always conscious of that. So it's actually a lot of plate spinning, I think, doing it because I'm trying to keep them on track. I'm, I'm trying to get from A to B, but I'm also trying to explore wherever they go in between. Mm. Um, but also you're like, well... Yeah, where do we cut the scene? How do when do we keep moving on? Has this taken too long? And um, and also like trying to respond as all the respective characters and keeping track of what they might do in a situation. Yeah, and having that plan ahead, or knowing where the adventure going helps, but it's also trying to poke them in the right direction of where they need to go when they're obviously having a great time. Yeah, yeah, I think we've we've gotten into a pretty good rhythm with that. Like that's not as difficult as it used to be. I think they are pretty good at picking up, um, you know, th this is the, clues. the story. We need to do this <laughs> unless like Mackenzie's just going to completely block it. But then um, I think even Mackenzie's really grown into a, a, where she can have absolute distaste for the situation and not want to do it, but um, can find a way to get the story moving actually that's a, a good kind of segue because i'm thinking one of the early episodes with the with the clungeon um, yes and this kind of to me sort of set the tone for what i was going to be expecting out of the the series um simply because it was a lot more i'm going to use the word ribald yeah uh, or, or tawdry <laughs> than yeah other D D podcasts that have been around was that kind of planned going in or was it just more of we're australians we're very blunt we're very earthy and this is what the the show is going to represent as well uh it's kind of my style i think um i've always written in that way and kind of went towards that way but um I hoping that the audience realizes that, you know, it is a performance, it is character based and um, that there is some sort of like thought and intelligence behind it. Like um, there's some pretty like dumb, gross things that are said and happen in there, but well, it's Australian, so yeah. Yeah, but a big part of you know, and, and we have horrible characters like Methface that turn up in like oh, the first adventure. Um, but, Methface is a fan favourite, isn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, he's uh, no longer with us, but he's got Sadly. his son, so it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, I'll just treat him the same. Um, yeah, uh, that, that's why I like the distinction as well. I, I try and draw a real distinction between my voice and how I present myself as a narrator and as, as someone running the game and then mm. as the characters as well. So, you know, it's not me being like, all right, and then you just get up on the, you know, I'm, I'm talking as me, but then you mm. get these characters. And, and I wanted that distinction too, particularly for like our um, 
American listeners because I, growing up, and it's certainly a lot better now with more of a global culture, I, I really would cringe at the Australian stereotypes and the, the oh, kinds of ways that we would be portrayed in um, American popular culture. So I thought that, uh, like, you know, the Simpsons episode where they go to Australia and stuff like that. Yeah. So I thought it was good to take the reins of that and then to show some of that really ochre, horrible stuff, but at the same time show that it was a performance mm-hmm. um, and that it wasn't how we were all interacting around the table as people, um, but it was the characters. And and then also to be able to um, add to that lore and... Um, make up a lot of stuff that we get asked if you know are those things australians saying we're like yeah sure yeah Um, say that when they were when they were not yeah well the best one being i'm not here to fuck spiders but yeah kind of is he did didn't he 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 sure did yeah he um he's he's had some adventures yeah Yeah. i I definitely want to get zach on and to talk to him about where plank comes from because that's going to be an interesting conversation yeah plank and zach are um they're all they're all like uh, their characters are exaggerated versions of themselves yeah which is always i find the best way to go when you're just wanting something that will come out very simply if you need it like in an improv session if you want to just come out and not have to think too much about it you just have yourself times 10 what i like about it too is because you know i'm telling you about that setup when they didn't really know what the world was going to be they created characters that aren't like i'm barry thong flicker and i you know characters that would have run out of steam pretty quickly um they're not really broad Australian characters, they actually created characters like, okay, we're going to play some D&D. And sure, you know, we've got the names like G'day and the Lagerphone and things like that, but um, they, they, they've they kind of warmed into that and found what level of that they're comfortable with as opposed to creating characters that were just these 2D Australian characters. Hmm. Um which I think you've done as well with the NPCs, that they're, on the surface, they look like these two-dimensional characters, but they have their interactions inside the world as well. That we'll look at, at Jace Hemsworth, that he's got, he looks like a Hemsworth brother. And he's kind yeah. of a caricature of a certain type of Australian, but he's got stuff going on with his parents, with his with the the kingdoms. And it's like, that makes him more of a fleshed out character, that he's not just a stereotype he's actually a, a real living breathing creature in this world yeah it's nice i think that's when people talk about the characters that always makes me happy because you know you go oh like this has sort of translated to you you know you've you've been able to fill in gaps with your imagination and you have this sense of this character and what this character is about like characters like him i just sort of have a feeling for i guess and i think that when i'm in a situation i go okay well i I kind of feel and and i think this goes back to doing a lot of theater writing and a lot of dialogue um like i certainly know how jace is going to respond as compared to how bramblewank will respond or how baby piggy Braden will respond i mean um you just kind of find your way but it's interesting those things that stick like the sweet kicks was an improv thing like i had no notes about that character and um yeah, and then I think that informed the idea, well, he's, you know, his class would be a monk and mm-hmm. then he's probably, like, this pretty peaceful, like, hippie guy. and um, Which totally works for, for the Hemsworths being up in Byron and yeah, that kind yeah. of aspect of it. And then there's also, I mean, looking at something like the castle where you do have that certain type of Australia, who's Australian who's very much about martial arts and would be into, into um, sweet kicks as look how high I can kick all the time. So it works yeah. so, so many levels. I don't, I don't mean to gush. I'm probably going to do this a lot on episodes. Um, <laughs> oh, but you were mentioning, cool. yeah. mentioning before just these three very different characters in quick succession, just Bramblewank and Jason, Baby Prigger Braden. So how, when you come across a new character, where do you get that voice from for them? Oh, often, um, like I don't, like I don't do, I mean, 
I mean, we joke about me being a man of three voices. Um, and that's a lot of the time. So they're going, am I talking to this character or this character? But um, yeah, no, normally I just go with whatever feels sort of right at the time. Yeah. Um, and then follow up. How do you keep them? How do you keep them straight when they come back to a character and say, hey, well, we want to talk to this person? I don't always. Uh, Bramblewank didn't have the wizard voice in his first um, adventure. And the wizard voice was always wizard vendors. So whenever they met the wizard vendor, it'd be like, <laughs> and then um, because Bramblewank was their living wizard, it was like, oh, well, that's that's got to be him. That's just what, how um, wizards talk in fantasy Australia. Yeah. So he began to, I think the lore is that he began to relax around them and go into his wizard voice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think like Jace Hemsworth, for example, I don't think he really has a voice. That's more of a kind of... Um, like an attitude and a kind of uh, cadence, I think. Um, so I don't think there are many that have really specific voices. Like Cracky Moses, the short sword, definitely yeah. does. And Baby Piggy Brayden. Um, and, and a lot of those are easy to go into because they've got a catchphrase. Mm. Wenzo, um, actually the Wenzo comes from, I was thinking about David Wenham in... Um, getting square the movie oh, where he's like a, love that movie. yeah when he's but in the courtroom then, and he's talking about guys yeah. who's gonna give me me, me money for the bus yeah. i need money for, yeah yeah so i was thinking about that but then he very quickly became um basically the manager from flight of the concords and so he's just kind of in that space um no, from episode to episode, it'd be very hard to to pull some of those characters out. Like, I just know that there's a, um, you know, Captain Birdseye is a pirate. That's easy. Been a lot of characters over the 136 episodes. I think we've done. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that's a long running show. Yeah. It's like good 200 hours, nearly of yeah. or over uh, of content. Yeah. And. I think most dungeon masters have that um, that buffer of combat to to space these things out, and you don't. It's just all interaction, which I think, yeah. I think a lot of dungeon masters get a bit wary of because they are they're performing for that whole yeah. time, and I think that theater background would would really help for it. Oh yeah, I think definitely. Um, it's funny, like as I said, because it was so quick when we started it, I didn't none of us really had a concept of how it would be. Like, I didn't even know if we would talk as our characters, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know if it would be that kind of thing where I go, Oh, well, he says to you this. Um, and then just straight away, we started having conversations as characters. And, uh, and now, I mean, that's the majority of the show is I see it as a, a series of scenes between different groupings of characters for the most part. Have you looked at other using other um, role play systems? Not specifically for Dungeons and Drongos, but just as a as a player or um, as a obviously the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and superhero games. Yeah. Long, but since then, have you tried other stuff? Um, well, considering I barely use the five E system, yeah, uh, <laughs> I've got a lot of that book that I could still afford to read. Um, I'm just thinking stuff like um, the Fate and the Fudge system, where it's it's very much there's the yes and and you tell the story and use hey we get an asset and that works as an advantage sometime later on but you don't you barely roll dice oh yeah yeah i've heard of things like that yeah i think that's all interesting um i i think for me mainly like the system i'm not too fussed about but i i do think like you know that obviously everything has an end point and there's going to be a point where um the performance will say okay you know i'm kind of done with this now or Mm -hmm. um and then you think well would i do like the next generation would i get more people in or would i do something completely different um because i i definitely like narrative storytelling and i like episodic storytelling um i'd love to do i mean i'm a huge star wars fan i'd love to do something Mm -hmm. sci-fi um and then part of me sometimes, like I'm in a role-playing shop and I think, look, I should just do, um, what does uh, my little pony role-playing game that uh, I DM look like? 
That would be very interesting, <laughs> yeah. honestly. I mean, there's the, already the My Little Pony, Pony game. There's the the role playing system existing already. Yeah, now. that's what I saw. I saw the bo- um, I saw the books and was like, yeah. "What is that?" And then was thinking, like, "What would that be like?" Um, you know, I'd like to put a, uh, a stamp on a lot of different things, but I think I'd probably do something sci fi next. I worked on a comic. Um, with a friend, which is a web comic a while ago, which was called glorious bounty, which was about um, a bunch of bounty hunters that were pretty useless and um, about their sort of domestic lives on this ship. Um, and I like the idea of doing something that was kind of like that. That could blend um, into a D and D party or an adventuring party very easily. Yeah. Just yeah. Group of bounty hunters who never actually succeeded anything. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of like those ideas. It's just, um, I'm like, look, there's so many things I would do if time wasn't a constraint. Like every episode I do of Drongo's, I think, oh, God, like that's it. I've run out of ideas. I'll never <laughs> do another one. And then two weeks later it's like, here we go. And you're just waiting for that point in the fortnight where you go, oh, no, I know, I know what this is now. Uh, and that last one was hard but i just got the like straight away got the idea for the next one and was like oh great you know back in the flow mm-hmm. now have you done the great emu war yet yeah we have okay, um that was really early on it's and yeah was... that's the one where the beholder is um that's right yeah. it's at the krakatini brewery with the seven gnomes um who are getting uh attacked by the man muse who are the right. hybrid yes. emu men because that seems like the, the, the go-to one for most for the, most uh, dungeon masters looking at Australia, Australian history mm. as a as a go-to. Yeah, well, I did the podcast. It was just a short run. It was just a limited run with um, Jacinta, who plays Channing Taters on the show. Reluctantly, I'm just trying to get her back for the next uh, adventure, and she's uh, said no thanks. Um, but we did half hour history where she would tell me about um, interesting historical things, and she we did an episode about the emu war uh, and we must have done that pretty uh, like just before we started Drongo. So I was pretty fresh on some of those stories. Yeah. It seems like there's ideas kind of everywhere you look and it's just that matter of adapting it into, into yeah. the world. And when it's something yeah. like that in Australia and it's like, well, we've already got the emus there. We've already got this ridiculous setup that, Australians lost to the emus. So that's yeah. a really easy one to to throw adventurers into. Yeah, and they ride around in these um special carts lobbing um stuff at the emus that are running around attacking them. Yeah, which then and, brings um, in kind of a Mad Max thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of um various things. And then there was the beholder underneath the brewery that was actually um had all the gnomes in its thrall. And, um, yeah, his trophy room was a bit of the castle mm-hmm. kind of thrown in. Yeah. So sometimes it is just like, oh, like, um, the, like you think of Australian movies or whatever. I did that one that was the, um, it's the cross between point break and strictly ballroom Yep. about the extreme ballroom dancing. Yeah. Extreme ballroom people. dancing. Yeah. 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 It's like that. Who are doing, it's a perfect doing idea as well. Yeah. So that that's what I mean about trying to find those two things. So strictly ballroom is one thing, but then when you realize, oh, this is also point break. Mm-hmm. And then you start to go, well, you know, they don't dress as famous presidents. What do they disguise themselves as? Oh, it's got to be famous sheep. Um, all these things kind of flow on. Um, yeah. And the same with like the castle episode. It was like, well, it has to be set in an actual castle because it's fantasy. Yep. And then I love Downton Abbey. So it was like, okay, well, it's a Downton Abbey castle in uh, fantasy, in fantasy Australia. Australia which, yeah. yeah. And then um, the gnomes there with the airstrip were very uh, World of Warcraft inspired. Mm-hmm. So just pulling from all different things that are floating around. Yeah, which I think, I mean, it kind of makes it almost a postmodern take on it all, just this pastiche of of pop culture in a, in a new light. Yeah, things that are familiar, but you're seeing them in a bit of an unfamiliar way. 
yeah. and it doesn't necessarily have to be something recent or contemporary it can just be drawing back on something classic which you're going to put in um put in because it works for the situation yeah and i mean like you don't have to have seen the things you don't have to know like i haven't seen strictly ballroom um i just know that it exists and that it's, yeah. it's a thing you, and you, you need the well. basic concept of it that it's about a ballroom dancing competition it's like that's kind of all and you can throw in dirty dancing in there as well and you just need yeah, those tropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you need those tropes and those those iconic moments whereas like one of the obvious ones that i've no, not touched yet is um priscilla queen of the desert and it's like I, I need that extra element. Like it can't just be that the party are in drag, meet some people in drag and go on a bus. Like it has, it, it has to be something a lot more than that. And uh, mm. it's just waiting for that right thing. Like um, I was going to say it works with queen of the dam, but you've already done that one. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's what with the yummy mummies in the pyramid. Yeah. Um, and like we did the sand piercer across the desert. Yeah. And through it, and that brought in BMX bandits. And then one of them was inspired by um, Infus Nest from Solo. So, again, lots of different things. There's a kind of um, Tremors June thing happening there as well. I think that works uh, as well because, if, like you were saying before, that a lot of uh, international listeners aren't going to recognize BMX bandits because that's I no. feel, very much an Australian icon. Yeah. I, mean, I think even a lot of younger listeners might not know BMX Bandits. But if you throw in Tremors and you throw in Snowpiercer and you throw in some solo stuff, there's a little bit of something for everyone and they'll just latch onto the thing that they really enjoy. And they are, you know, and they're a band of desert bandits anyway. I mean, like yeah. that's something that anyone who's played D&D can go, okay, here are these. Because um, the whole premise there is that no one had crossed this desert. So they'd sent two factions from either side to lay down the rails and with the intention that they would never come back. And a lot of them died, but then a bunch of them became bandits in the middle of the desert and built themselves uh, BMX bikes out of the <laughs> railway <just> equipment. <laughs> yeah. And um, just hooning around the dunes, uh, <laughs> looking for trouble. And then they happened to have, um Yeah put their lair in a really big pre-made cave, which they didn't recognize was a troublesome thing. Not counting. Uh, I mean, that's very much a star Wars thing as well. The, just the idea of the desert and the hiding yeah. something's mouth. But um, apart from star Wars and obviously Australian iconic films and classics, what do you think you draw on most? Oh, uh... it's like, I'm, I'm, I keep coming back to Terry Pratchett because I feel that that love of puns, yeah yeah i did i read terry pratchett um as a teenager and sort of into the early 20s i did end up um eventually kind of tiring of it a bit which is also something that's always in the back of my mind about fantasy australia as well that idea of um when i start repeating myself or when it when it's like every thing that can be said about this has been said you know do we mm. should we put it to bed um well that's when you do the bounty yeah. hunters in space <laughs> show yeah yeah that's right but um i do i do like uh his world building and i'd say that's definitely got to be a influence there um i'm just also thinking i mean you said you haven't seen strictly ballroom but i'm wondering if there's another another author or another property or franchise that you draw on as much as possible because i don't think the marvel stuff um has really come through into the show that often and that's kind of the biggest franchise at the moment yeah i think that's more about like how do you do i have thought about well what would superheroes look like in fantasy australia what if the group became had to become superheroes or something like that there was the um black panther style character in the down under dark that we had uh but that's about it i think has there been any kind of there's the um liquor baron has his sort of like mark one iron man suit that he mm-hmm. uh uses but he's uh that's a character that should come back that was an idea <laughs> that he's only in very very briefly um yeah, no, I, I don't know. I think I've got a really sort of distinct style and it's more, 
like I think the dialogue and the kind of approach is something that's pretty ingrained but um yeah it's just drawing from a lot of things because I do the I mean we've been on hiatus with COVID but because of the pop culture podcast I was doing as well it's watching like 200 new releases every year and um yeah just like seeing so much stuff and I've been trying to catch up on a lot of things that I may have missed as well um so I just, I just think there's an ingrained kind of, like, I, I think you learn those dialogue skills and that kind of comedy thing from a whole range of things. Like, um, there's a lot of British comedy that I would have grown up on that I really love. I love, like, John Cleese's writing. And um, I always loved, like, the way in something like Faulty Towers he was able to bring all these disparate threads together, like, of the main characters would kind of have a little storyline going on and then they would all tie together. And that's something that like, um, you know, Seinfeld started to do as well. Uh, so there's all those kinds of things, I guess, that are in my head somewhere, but, um, you know, you also just think of the way that just as an Australian growing up and being around friends and funny friends, um, how you all interact. And I, I think there's something about, like people do praise the chemistry on the show. And I think there's something really foolproof about if you're genuinely having fun and genuinely into it. And I do love playing with those guys and hanging out with them. And, um, you know, you almost forget that somebody's going to listen to it after. Then I think that in itself is really foolproof because you could hate the show like you could listen you could hate listen to it every week and think this is terrible but you you, I don't think you would ever think you would influence how much fun we're having like no there's that chemistry and there's that earnestness when you're really enjoying it it's like that comes through it doesn't matter whether it's well it will always be entertaining but if as long as you're having fun that will shine in, in each word yeah and I don't think anyone can take away from that fun that we had so and not that we I mean people have been amazing I don't know if that's just because you know um it's relatively small listenership compared to all those big shows but you know I don't think we've had a lot of um criticism people will very helpfully tell us about rules or reminders of things that we don't know which is um is always seem to be the big one everyone yeah and that's when a rule goes wrong but even then, like the whole uh, rules lawyer stuff has not been um, bad at all. Uh, it's usually welcome and quite helpful. Um, or if I think it's something that is just wouldn't have made the show any any better, um, just don't worry about it. So, yeah. But no, people have been lovely. And then the audience has contributed a lot of cool stuff as well, like items and characters and ideas. And I really love that. I love that like when I'm it's getting close to Sunday and I'm like, oh, I haven't come up with a name for this thing or this item. And then I can just post on the Facebook and then a bit, <laughs> check it later and somebody solved it for me. Mm-hmm. That's always good fun. It's uh, designed by committee a little bit. Where yeah. it's just like you've got this brains trust you can go out to and say, well, look, I haven't encountered anything. What does everyone else have? Great. Let's bring it in. <laughs> let's see what you can come up with and it'll go on the show. I mean, I think that that element of having the community help as well. Yeah. That always. And um, some great items like the Rod of Rod. Oh yeah. love The Rod of Rod is just one of those unique ideas that's, again, seems so simple on the surface and has just been a, a ma- I mean, for people who haven't listened yet, it's a rod where when you press the button, a guy called Rod comes out and has to do what you say. So that, that's it boils down to that, and it's it's and amazing. He's, in, he's incredibly average at everything. Yeah, and he's uh, just a there's guy a lot of animosity has built up over time. Um, and there is the episode, oh, where it gets reversed, where they have to do Rod's bidding. Yeah, that this one item managed to get an entire episode out of it. That it's just that, that yeah. interesting concept. Yeah, but with the, yeah. I mean, that's a great item. What would you say is your most, what's the episode you've enjoyed the most doing or the one you expected? To- <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember them. <laughs> Maybe the story you, you really wanted to do well and, and when someone says, hey, what episode did you go back and do again? Oh, well, that's obvious. 
is the um the second part of the pirate one where i was blackout drunk oh. <laughs> uh that's the one i would do again because uh that is a disaster of an episode episode 19 is um a terrible one because uh when it all started and, and we were doing this socially i was would be just drinking wine while we oh. um some quite uh tipsy in a lot of those early episodes um and have not drunk during the show since um that episode 19 where i just completely lose track of what's going on that's such an embarrassing episode like i'm so ashamed of that i know every like it's funny for its own unique reasons it's funny for everyone else but not funny for you yeah but um no that was a real eye-opener and i i did um uh, I didn't even have a drink for two years after that. I'm mm. like drinking socially now, but uh, I, I certainly, and that's just a confidence thing as well. And sort of growing into the show and, and yeah. not falling myself into thinking that I needed that to be like confident and funny and to, to pull it together, to realize that it was actually a detriment to the show. Mm. Mm. Because you kind of lose focus sometimes when it's yeah. Uh... And you want that feeling like it's um, this anarchic, irreverent, sprawling Australian anything can happen show, but at the same time, um, there is a degree of discipline in in getting it to be as tight as as it is, and and to be as coherent as it is, and to um, actually get through uh, an episode. So yeah, that one. Uh, and I felt bad as well because we had such a great guest star who was um, Ed, who was over from Melbourne and um, was really keen to do the show. And uh, <laughs> I was just such a mess. So I'd love to have um, uh, Shannon, uh, Shannon Troll back again at some point so that I can uh, make it up to him. Um, I love all the guests. Like we've had some great guests. Well, all the guests have been great, but it's so hard to not just come up with an episode, but also do the logistics to get a guest in here as well and have it all yeah. aligned because I might not know what the next episode is. So it's very hard to say, you know, I'm actually doing this in three days. Will, will you come on? And Yeah. And, are you available? It. Have you got a character yeah. ready to go? Great. Cause we yeah. can sit down. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, I do. And I like, I really value the times we've had guest DMs as well and that I just get to play Wenzo and um, relax and, and just roll with it. Yeah, it's good when you don't, I mean, you're kind of a forever DM being the DM on the podcast, but when you get to, to play Wenzo, um, you do get to step behind, away from the screen and really just become a player and cause the mischief that they do to you. Oh, what I'd love to do again is the... Um, cat boy characters that we did in episode 100 so that was where we had the different party that wasn't the regular party and zach and i were the two cat boys i was taylor swift taylor the swift or swift taylor mm-hmm. um and tristan who is is very funny and he's a really great dm uh did that so has not been a lot of call for more cat boys but i i would like to play cat boys again maybe episode 150 or something we'll bring the cat boys back yeah maybe go for an anime feel and just have a mm-hmm. race of cat people yeah uh the cat boys um we went to bridgetown to do a uh to go to a dungeons and dragons event which mm-hmm. was with um a lot of youth and community there and we got to play and um we got to play a game with the organizer on the Saturday night and we all rolled up new characters and they, they were the characters that we came up with. So we had so much fun playing them and causing a a big disturbance with them that we wanted to put them in the show. And um, because there was so much pressure on a hundredth episode and and what do you do? And do you have to do this big milestone story-wise? It was like, well, let's just throw out all that expectation and, and just have fun. And have completely different characters, yeah, that no one's expecting. No, that's that's mm. wonderful. I am aware that it is getting well. It's getting late for me, not as as late for you. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to say thank you again for. Coming oh, on the thank show, you. Luke. Yeah. Uh, did you want to plug the show uh, or anything? Yeah, else so online. So Dungeons and Drongos. Uh, it's at dungeonsanddrongos.com. 
uh, or fruitlesspursuits.com and there's links there to all our social media to our facebook discussion group um we just love to hear from people it's so nice to know that uh people are listening and enjoying what we're doing because we have a lot of fun and um you know you throw it out into the void every week and when uh people come back and say oh yeah that's this uh um was was a, a made me laugh or had was a fun uh, way to spend my time it's good uh well if you would i'd like to thank you again um and thank our listeners but if you would be so kind as to pick one of your characters um one of the npcs that you voice so well and just say farewell to our listeners in that voice i think i gotta go go with uh i got going with wednesday Yep. All so right. that is the episode so, uh, for this week. Thank you all thank for, you for uh, listening. listening. It's been an uh, absolute I said pleasure. When and, I started um, the podcast, that episodes were going to be like twenty and so far, we're quickly getting up to between forty-five and an hour. Um, what can I say? I look. I really enjoy talking with people. Every single time I have a guest on, I want to keep going. I want to keep talking to people about all their games and stuff and just general life things. It's really enjoyable for me to, particularly while I'm in lockdown at this stage. So it's just a chance to to talk to people about all these amazing things and all these characters they've gotten to create and play. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy it as much as I do. If you do, I would love it if you left a review for us. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Reviews would be wonderful because it gets us out to more people. Um, five-star reviews, of course, are even better. If you would like to get in touch, you can reach me at Tell Me About Your D&D. Wait, that's not right. Well, you can actually. This is just me stuffing up the read. The email address is tellmeaboutyourdnd at gmail.com. That is, what would be really great for that would be if you could write in and nominate someone for me to reach out. Uh, it could be someone who paints minis. It could be someone who's a musician um, that you know is really into D&D and you would be interested to know where their inspiration comes from. You can also reach me on Twitter, which is at tellmeyourdnd. Uh, but Instagram and Facebook have groups, well, not groups for Instagram, but obviously that's the Instagram account, which is at Tell Me About Your D&D, and Facebook is the same, at Tell Me About Your D&D. You can also find me on another podcast, which I record uh, weekly, of Dice and DMs, which is on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash of Dice and DMs, where I talk about Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games with two of my friends and about why we play these games and some of the themes and monsters and everything else that's involved with them. That's really fun. I enjoy that a lot and it gave me the inspiration to start this one as well. Until next time, stay safe. Thank you for listening. May all your hits be crits. Cool.